The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Then what? It's a, an excellent question to keep asking. Then what? If you're having to make a decision and you're trying to think something through, keep asking the question, then what? All right, so I want you to practice with me. Everybody lean next to someone and say, then what? Okay, if you're joining us online, just yell it in your house. If you're in your car, just yell, then what? Maybe roll down the window of the car next to you. Then what? Um, no, don't do that. <laughs> That's a bad idea. Um, then what? Here, here's why. Because it forces you to think it through to its logical conclusion. All right? If whatever you're doing is a means to an end, then what will get you to the end? Right? And what it does is it prevents you from making knee-jerk reactions. It prevents you from making impulsive and instant gratification-oriented decisions. And it makes sure that you've thought through the why before you kick into the what. So you ask, then what? Follow me. Maybe I'll help. Maybe we'll kind of play this one out, right? So let's say you're working a full-time job, but you really feel like you've got to get another job. So you go and you apply for jobs, right? And you're trying to get a second job. Then what? You get the job. Then what? You make more money. Then what? You're going to save more money or you're going to spend more money. So your goal is, well, what's my then what? I want to save more money. Then what? I can put a down payment on a house. Then what? I'm going to buy that house. Then what? Then I'll be content. Ah, so the job was a means to an end for contentment. Now let's wrestle with that, right? Now you can think that through. Will this make me content? If I sacrifice time with my family and I've sacrificed meaningful relationship, will I really be content just living in a home that I wanted? Right? So the point is the then what forces us to think through significant decisions. So before you make a major purchase, before you sell your car or buy a car, which right now it feels like it's impossible to even do that, right? Before you quit your job or get a job, before you go to college or you stop going to college, before you get into that relationship or get out of that relationship, ask yourself, then what? And what it will reveal is what you value and the consequences of the decision. Now, I could just stop right there. And you got your money's worth today. It was worth the price of admission just to give you a then what thought process, all right? So you guys good? You're like, man, the best sermon ever. Four minutes, that's it. Not even, right? But I want to take it, I got to take it several steps further. Because that's actually an essential key to changing your life of faith, your prayer life. The then what question will radically transform your prayer life. Because so many of us are not thinking through our relationship with God and our prayer life. And so we're getting caught in a moment where we just want to get the second job in prayer. We're saying, God, just give me the second job. But a then what relationship with God, a then what prayer life begins to force us to say, Y'all help me out. Then what? Then what? All right, one more time. Then what? All right, very good. Um, It forces you to say, then what? Here, here, Here would be the real key. 
What if you got the answer to every prayer you've ever prayed? Then what? What if you got the desire, every desire in your heart was fulfilled? Then what? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and he lost his soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? If you got that job you prayed about, you got the promotion, you got the relationship, you got the purchase, you got the look, you got the body you always wanted, then what? If every answer to every prayer you ever prayed, you got, but you missed God, then what? Interestingly, God actually offered that opportunity to a national leader named Moses. Moses was raised up by God, chosen by God, to be the deliverer of the nation of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. God does signs and wonders and the nation of Israel is set free from bondage. He leads them out of Egypt. God divides the Red Sea. They march through on dry ground. He defeats their enemy. Then they're in the wilderness. They're in the desert where God begins begins to give them the commands and laws, teaches them how to live free since they were set free because all they knew was how to be slaves. And so God had to instruct them on how to live free. So now they're in the desert, and they're marching. They're on their way to the promised land. The goal, and the, prom- the goal was the promised land. God had been giving them this promise for over 400 years, and now they're right on the cusp of getting everything they've ever dreamed of. And God speaks to Moses in, ex- in the book of Exodus, which is the narrative account of the Exodus out of Egypt into the promised land. And God says this in chapter 33, then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I'll send an angel before you and I'll drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Not only only are you going to go into the promised land, I'm going to send angels before you to fight for you. And I'm going to defeat all your enemies. Everywhere you turn, victory, 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 victory. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. It's a a metaphor for flourishing in abundance. Go up to the land where every desire you ever had would be fulfilled. But I will not go with you. Because you are stiff-necked people. And I might destroy you on the way. I'll give you everything you've ever wanted and I've ever promised you. But I'm not going with you. Because you're hard toward me. And you don't want anything to do with me. God says, I'll give you every prayer you've ever prayed answered. Give you all the desires of your heart. You just don't get me. Would you take it? I think most of us would. Because most of us are short-sighted because we didn't ask, then what? What good is the promise without the promise keeper. 
What good are miracles without the miracle maker? What good is the land without the creator? Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you haven't let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, okay, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Did you catch it? If you went into the promised land without the promised keeper, you would have the land, but you wouldn't have rest. But if I go with you, you get me and you get rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses said, God, I don't want all your answered prayers without you. I don't want victory without the God who gives victory. I don't want the land without the God, without the God who causes a land to rest. In essence, a bride and groom saying, I don't want to go on the honeymoon without my spouse. The point of the honeymoon is not a vacation. I kind of thought I would get a better response than that. <laughs> when I wrote it out, I saw that going differently. <laughs> right? Like, I don't want to go on the honeymoon without my bride. Like the point of the honeymoon is not just a vacation. And so Moses has that mindset. He goes, I don't, we don't want the promises of God without the God of the promise. God, if you're not coming, I don't want to go. It won't be worth it because it won't be what I thought it was. What's the point? Seek God's presence more than his presence. For those of you that maybe have, you have a hard time seeing the screen, or you can't see the screen at all, seek God's presence, his nearness, more than his presence, his gifts. The best you will ever get from prayer is God. His presence is better than his presence. There's nothing God can give you that is better than himself. He is the best you will ever get. But it doesn't feel like that, does it? No. You can go through life, and some, some have even believed that God isn't worth knowing. You've pushed away from God. The truth is, every one of us would struggle with that truth, that his presence is better than his presence, because all of us, we're born with an instinct to push away from God. There's a spiritual instinct inside of every one of us that tricks us into believing that presence are better than God's presence. We're instinctively hardwired not to want God 
at least to seek his presence. There is this spiritual force in us called sin. Sin broke our relationship with God. It broke our spiritual being, and it causes us to wrongly believe that things that are bad for us will satisfy us and be good for us. Here's what happens. Because of sin, every one of us are fractured inside. We're broken. So there is a void in us. A void that only God's presence can fill. He's the puzzle piece that completes the masterpiece. But what happens is because we're broken, we try to put other pieces that don't fit. And when you stick them in, they fall through. And you got to keep sticking in and sticking in. And no matter what you put in, it's never enough and never enough and never enough. And, and then you become cynical and hurt and angry because that relationship didn't work and sex didn't work and that addiction didn't work and eating didn't work and a new job and a new car and a new house. And no matter what you put in, it didn't satisfy. It was never enough because the only piece that will ever complete the masterpiece is the presence of God. But because you and I are broken by sin, we try so hard to fill the void with so much else. And then we, we, we set our life course in ruin. It wrecks us. Not only does it wreck us, but then we're headed toward an eternity without God, far from God, forever without God as the peace that completes the masterpiece. Moses said this, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. God, my life makes no sense without you at the center. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What difference is there between me and everyone else if I don't have you? If I had everything you can give me, what difference would there be in my life if you're absent? Then what? God is not a means to an end. He is the end. So God saw that you and I had a void that nothing else could satisfy. And so he came to fill the void that sin had left in our hearts. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He gave his life as the payment, the ransom for the cost of our slavery. He set us free through his own death. He paid the price. He broke the chains. He, he liberated us from the bondage of sin and eternal death. When Jesus died on the cross, he was exchanging his life for our life. His life, the payment for the eternal death sentence we deserve. And so when Jesus died, he died once for all. So anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven. But Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, he gave us victory over forever death. He gave us victory over death itself because now we know life doesn't end in death. Death ends in forever life and he gave us victory over the power of sin he broke the chains of sin in our lives so that we're not dragged and controlled by sin 
We're not trying to use sin to fill the void in our hearts because now we have access to the presence of God to become the peace at the center of the masterpiece. Right now, maybe you've tried religion. Maybe you've tried following the rules and doing all of the things necessary. Maybe you've done church. Have you ever just had a relationship with Jesus? Have you ever said, God, I need you to be at the center. I need you to fill the void in my heart. Maybe that's where you're at right now. You don't need more church, and we're in church. You don't need more religion. What you need is Jesus. Can I encourage you? Would you take a step of faith right now and just open your life to Jesus? Open your heart. That spot in you, that void that you've been trying to fill with a lot of other stuff, would you open your life to Jesus right now? And if that's where you're at, you've got to let somebody know, right? Because this is about relationship, relationship with God and relationship with each other. And we, we, our relationship with God is healthiest when we do it in community. And so what we want to do is we want to encourage you as you begin this new relationship with God. And so I'm going to encourage you to let someone know, let us know. In fact, there's going to be a QR code that's going to come up on the screen. And if you've ever seen these, they look weird, right? You're like, what is that? Like if you've used them, you know, but if you have haven't, then you're like a little weirded out by it. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody, everybody, in fact, everybody do me a favor. Pull out your phone real quick. Go ahead. You all have smartphones. I mean, I know you do. If you don't, that's okay. We love you anyway. You can get a carrier pigeon. We have them available on the back and you can use a carrier pigeon today. But uh, do me a favor. Uh, open up your phone, open up your camera and just scan it. All right. Now, if you're saying yes to Jesus, when you scan that, it's going to bring you to a link. Now, it'll bring all of you to that link, but if, you're, if you go to that link and you're saying yes to Jesus, fill out that form, all right? Send it in, submit it. One of our pastors is gonna follow up with you as you begin this new relationship with Jesus. Now, thank you all for participating with me because now you just made it easier for the person sitting next to you. Those of you joining us online, I guess you could scan your screen. If you're on your phone, just hit yes to Jesus, all right? Um, now, here's the deal. You said yes to Jesus. You began this relationship with God. Here's what I want you to know. The goal of a relationship with Jesus is not just to get to heaven. Like, yes, you get heaven, but the point of heaven is God. Heaven is a means to an end. God is the end. Moses, let me read a little bit more. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. What's the point? Seek God's presence more. More than anything. More than what? More than how hard you're trying to get that job or how hard you're trying to develop that relationship. Seek God's presence more. God said to Moses, I'm gonna go with you. You've got my presence. And Moses goes, God, I don't just want your presence to go with our nation. I wanna know you. I wanna see your presence. Moses was seeking God's presence and so he had an encounter with God. Can I challenge you? You don't just need to know the Bible. You need to know the God of the Bible. You don't just need to know how to pray. 
You need to know the God who you're praying to. You don't just need to take communion. You need communion with a living, loving God. The point of church is not church, but to come together in community and be in relationship with God together, to encounter God together. See, together we're seeking God's presence. You know what our nation needs? More of God. You know what our city needs? More of God's presence. You know what Smithsburg needs? God's presence. You know what our broken families need? God's presence. You know what hurting loved ones need? God's presence. What you and I need is to seek God's presence. I promise you, we don't need reformation of laws. We don't need politics to go our way. We don't need the right president or the right Supreme Court justices or the right people in office. We need more of the presence of God. You know what will heal our nation? God alone. You and I, we've gotten a little bit lost seeking the wrong things. And we've gotten angry about the wrong things. And we've gotten lost in the wrong things. There's one thing. If you play out the then what, the then what of your politics, the then what of your spending, the then what of your relationships, it always must end in, I need more of God. So let's begin there. Seek God's presence. Then the Lord, let me just read, this is Exodus chapter 34. So this is the moment where Moses is having an encounter with God. Verse five, it says, then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming. So this is his encounter. God, God took Moses and God put him in a, in a mountain. So he combined like mountain adventure with relationship with God. Pretty cool. I like it, right? So he's up on a mountain cliff. He's tucked in a rock. And then God begins to pass over him. He has this radical, life-changing encounter with God. And as this moment's happening, this is what God's saying as he's passing by. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to, a thousand, to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And you know what? There are days when it's good to know that God doesn't let evil people get away with evil things. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents of the third and fourth generation. And Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshiped. Moses had developed a lifestyle of practicing the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. Practice being in relationship with God. Develop a lifestyle of seeking God's presence, not as a means to an end, but as the end itself, as the whole point. It's a story of a father who had lost his wife. He had an only daughter. And they used to spend every dinner together. They'd spend the evenings together together. This was their life. And the daughter wanted to make something special for her dad for Christmas, and she knew how to knit, and so in the evening she would sneak off, and she would just spend time knitting this sweater 
she was making for her dad. And finally, after you know, a long period of time, it came to Christmas and she wrapped it up. She was super excited. She gave it to her dad and he opened it and it fit perfect. It was exactly the colors he liked. I mean, it was just a beautiful sweater and he put it on and she was thrilled. And she said, dad, this is, you know, all those nights when I was sneaking away and I was away from you, this is what I was making you. He says, sweetheart, this is wonderful. Thank you. But you know what I really wanted? Time with you. You know what God really wants from you? You. There's nothing you can give to God that will add to heaven. What could you possibly give to God that would make heaven more than yourself? The only thing you and I will ever add to heaven is us and whoever you bring with you. You contribute to eternity when you give yourself to God. That's prayer. Prayer is a pathway to God's presence. Prayer is not a burden, it's a benefit. Some of you, because you maybe you grew up in church or maybe you've grown up in religion, like you had to say it the right way. You had to get the words in the right order. You had to sound a certain way. Maybe you had to sound very King James. And so you filled your prayers with these and thou's thinking that that would get God's ear better. Look, you can stumble and mumble through your prayers and God will lean in because he loves you. Prayer... Prayer is a benefit, not a burden. It's a get to, not a have to. Want me to illustrate it? Let's go back to the honeymoon. Imagine a couple who talked about sexual intimacy the way we talk about prayer. I mean, we got to build it in as a discipline. We got to make sure that it's a regular, no, I would say make sure it's a regular part of your life, right? But like, I mean, it's something you got to do. What? Sexual intimacy is not a have to. It's a get to. It's not a have to. It's a want to. Right? And so I need you to shift your thinking about prayer. Jesus gave his life on a cross and rose from the dead to give you access to the presence of God. Prayer is a get to. You get the privilege of spending time in the presence of God. So want to, what a privilege to have access to the creator of the universe. What a privilege to have access to God himself. And you don't have to say it the right way. You don't have to have it all figured out. No, you can run to God the way a child runs to a parent. My kids, they don't, they don't have to come to me and have a rehearsed right way of asking whatever it is they're gonna ask for. As long as the only time they don't talk, the only time they talk to me it's not just when they're asking for something. Because you know what? I'm like all the rest of you parents. You know what I treasure? When I'm sitting in the living room, which isn't very often, <laughs> I'm sitting down and one of my boys comes running full steam and then jumps, knees out, and, and levels me. And I'm like, ah! And then just climbs up and just gets in my arms and just puts his arms around me. He says, Daddy, I love you. I'm like, 
I love you too. <laughs> it don't matter what, how he says it. It don't matter what they ask for. It don't matter what we talk about. Just being in each other's presence is the point. And we're children of God. And what God wants is for us to run into his arms and dive in his lap. And it doesn't matter if you went knees first or head first or foot first or whatever you did or you caught him in the wrong spot with your knee. It doesn't matter. God is a loving father who just wants to embrace you. He loves you. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows your hurts. He knows your pain. Your pain. And the, the answer to every prayer you'll ever pray is God himself. He is the answer. You don't know it, but he is the answer to every prayer you'll ever pray. Right now, you're praying for God to comfort grieving families. What you're asking for is God's presence to be the comforter in their lives. If you're trying to get a second job so you can get more money, so you can put a down payment on a house so you can be content we are most satisfied and content in the presence of God. You want to go on a better vacation? Why? So you can rest? I think I read that somewhere. God, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go. He says, I'll go. And then the land will give you rest. See, God is the answer to every prayer you'll ever pray. So develop a practice the presence of God. Pray. Pray honestly. Pray authentically. Pray vulnerably. Pray simply. Come praying like little children. Just talk to God. When you read the word of God, don't read it just like a history book. Don't read it like a book of laws and rules and to-dos and to-don'ts. Read it as a love story to get to know the God who loves you more than you'll ever understand. After Moses had this encounter with God, it says this, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. You know what happened? Moses got into the presence of God and it changed him. God's presence brings presence. That's pretty cool. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and everything else will be added, added to you. Everything you want and need is found in the presence of God. Because if you need joy, he's the joy giver. If you need peace, he's the peacemaker. If you need his promises, he's the promise keeper. When you practice the presence of God, he brings presence with him. What happened in Moses' life is when he got into the presence of God, it changed him. He became different. It began to glow. Like it began to shine off of him. He encountered God and others noticed. He didn't even know he was glowing. Here's what'll happen. If you will seek God's presence more than his presence, the presence of God will begin to shine from your life with the things you most desire. Others will go, man, I don't know about them, but man, there's a joy about them that I want. I don't know where they got it from, but their life has purpose. Man, I don't know where they got it, but boy, they're rich. They're rich beyond anything you could possess in this lifetime. Because when you get in the presence of God, 
he brings presence with him. The presence he brings are life change, healing, hope, purpose, peace, and an eternity with him. What you need is God's presence. So seek his presence more than his presence. I said the way that we have access to God's presence is through faith in Jesus. The night Jesus was betrayed, him and his friends were sitting at a meal together and so he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And then at the end of the meal, it says that he took the cup. He said, this is the blood that's paying for this covenant relationship, a new relationship between us and God. So as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. I've paid the price so you could have relationship with God. So in your hand, every one of you got a little cup as you came in. It's a little hard to get to. Those of you joining us online, it's really hard to get to, but um, hopefully you got some grapes and some bread. I don't know. But if you're joining us uh, in our campus here, uh, you peel off the little plastic thing and then you got to open up that foil thing to get to the juice. We want to make it as hard as possible so so you would spill the grape juice on your white outfit. I'm sorry. Now you got blood of Jesus all over you. All right, so here's the thing. Why do we do this? Is it just religion? No, it's a celebration. This was the payment so we could have access to God himself. When you, when you eat that wafer, Jesus, thank you for your broken body. You were broken so I could be made whole. You drink that cup, Jesus, thank you for your spilled blood. You died so that I can live. And this is my access to heaven to you. So I'm going to pray. Not, not a prayer just so I can close this moment, but just to prepare you so that you prepare your heart to spend time with God. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus who paid the price so that we could have access to your presence. Jesus, thank you that your life on the cross gives us life. That your death would give us eternal life. As we prepare our hearts for this communion moment, God, if there's anything getting in the way of our relationship with you, would you begin to clear the clutter? Forgive us of our sin. We come in repentance. Make us whole. For every broken heart, Would you be their healing? For every grieving soul, would you be their comfort right now? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.